Hi, this is Annie Fox for Family Confidential, Secrets of Successful Parenting. My guest today is Amy Fortney Parks. Amy is a psychologist, a parenting coach, and a family counselor. Hi, Amy. Welcome to Family Confidential. Hi, Annie. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure to invite you to talk about your work. And, um, you know, I know that you're a family counselor, and sometimes I have opportunities to do family coaching with parents. And I'd love for you to kind of spell out the distinction between family coaching and family counseling, because I think for a lot of people, um, there's a little bit of confusion there. Sure. So I'm a child psychologist and I also work, do a lot of work with families and I also do some coaching. So there is a definite distinction. Um, so generally when a family comes into my office, um, they tend to come with, uh, child related issues. So for example, my son Johnny is not doing well at school or my daughter goes to her room at night and slams the door and we don't really know what to do. And so we spend a lot of time, um, and I call this like CSI of the mind. You know, we spend a lot of time really investigating all the different components that are happening. And we try to tease out whether there are parent problems happening, you know, more global family issues, or if they're child-related problems. And so, For example, a parent problem might be um, tension in the marriage. Okay, so sure, a parent problem might be tension in the marriage, certainly. Or a parent problem could be an issue with safety. Or um, What you know, do you mean by that? So, for example, um, a parent problem is something like um, what's appropriate, what are the rights, what are property rules, what are um, the values of the family, how do we establish safety and health. On the other hand, child-related problems are more like emotional, siblings, school, uh, developmental kinds of things. So mm -hmm. if a family comes in and they say, you know, my daughter's slamming the door, then that could be developmental. That could be a child problem, and she could be really angry. It could be that the parents are fighting every night or that the values of the house are such that we all go to our own rooms and we don't communicate, and so there's no connection here. So we sort of try to tease those things out. So the difference between um, family counseling and family coaching is family coaching really starts from the present and really works towards sort of goal-directed problem-solving. And family counseling tends to be more oriented towards things in the past or things in the family history that are complicated. Maybe there's been a trauma. Maybe there's a history of some kind of other mental illness. Maybe there is, in fact, mental illness in, in, in play. Um, other things that make it difficult to navigate the family system. So we really have to decide those two because they're a very different approach to how we work with families. I see. So if we're talking about family counseling... And um, we will be, say, looking into family history and, and looking into the past. Um, what happens in the case where you feel like this is absolutely essential, but you get non-cooperation from tweens and teens? I don't want to go to counseling. Yeah. Um, yeah. What happens in those situations? Yeah, that can be really tough. So, um you really, especially with tweens and teens, you have to get them to buy in. There's no doubt about it. Kids need to have ownership and they need to have um, some, they, we have to normalize the experience for them of talking to people. So I spend a lot of time really um, building a therapeutic alliance with kids and teens, especially um, when they come into the office. So if they don't come initially, 
what I usually tell families is that they can tell their teen, we're going to go interview this woman. And this woman has a specialty in working with families and teens. And we're going to interview her and see if we like her and see if she might have some ways that she can help us resolve whatever you know, might be going on or, or move forward. And so I make it like an interview. And so, you know, I tell the teen, you know, I work for you, especially if I'm working specifically with the teen, I tell them I work for you and, um, it's an interview. So you can ask me a question and I can ask you a question and we do it that kind of format. And then I say, go home, talk about it as a family, see if you like me, see if you like the fit. And, uh, if we do, then we move forward together. Uh-huh. So it sounds like you're, you're giving power to the kids, which I, I absolutely know is essential when you talk about buy-in. So they are willing participants in this process. But what happens, I'm going to play devil's advocate here, when um, you've had that initial interview with some tweens and teens and the, par- and the parents say, oh, this would be a great fit for us. And the kids say, I am never going back there. She was mm-hmm. nice enough, but I'm never going back there because I don't need it. Mm-hmm. Then what? Mm-hmm. Well, it's a case by case basis for sure. Um, but oftentimes really teens just need to know you're on their side. Mm-hmm. And so they, they build this system where either you're on their side or you're on your, their parents' side. There's no in between game. <laughs> so, um, so I work really hard. I, you know, I'll work with parents to say, let's let Sarah come in for two or three sessions. Let me work on building some trust with her, building a relationship with her talking to her, especially especially if the teen is the big part of the problem here. So let's keep in mind that it could be the parents that are the bigger part of the problem. Yeah. So, but if the teen is the bigger part of the problem, then, um, you know, I really spend a lot of time just trying to, you know, really just make them comfortable, get to know them. And I really believe strongly with teens, particularly that you have to have empathy um, and not sympathy. They don't want that. They want you to get inside the hole with them and see how it feels and share with them Mm -hmm. what they're going through. And so usually, I mean, knock on wood, usually with that, I take the effort to do that, um, that I'm able to bring them around. And then we can say, you know, I really think this might be something we can invite your parents to come in um, to talk about. And then I have to think about who's sitting where in the room and how am I aligned and Oftentimes, parents will not include the child in the discussion, and I have to keep pulling them in. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a dance. It's a truly a dance. Um, and I love doing it, and I love teens. So even if they're grumpy and and annoying, um, I still love them. So it's really <laughs> and it's it's actually kind of fun for me. So. Well, you're one of the most empathetic people I've ever met. And so I'm, I'm sure it, it, it probably feels great for a teen, especially one who hasn't felt like they've been listened to by mom and or dad to come into a session and know that you have their back, mm-hmm. that, that you are an advocate for them. And, and I would imagine that opens up conversations that never could have happened without you. Am I correct? Yeah, I really emphasize, you know, we're here, we're Team Sarah. So we're working together to really help you and problem solve for you. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I think that that makes a big difference. It doesn't hurt that I happen to have four teens of my own. So <laughs> I, I tend to manage the teen thing um, pretty well right now. But yeah. uh, that, that definitely makes a big difference if I can be the person that they feel like is listening to them. And then I can point out times when their parents are listening 
which, you know, 99% of kids don't think their parents are listening. No, so, they don't give them credit for no, it. Exactly. No, exactly. So, don't. so then I can, then that's a great opportunity. I love that moment because it's a great opportunity to um, bring parents into learning language that shows that they're listening and language that they can show with their child that they understand what it is that they're trying to say and they can share values then. So that's like the turning point. Mm -hmm. If we get to that point is a great spot. You know, I also think that the reverse is probably true. Parents often think my kid never listens. Mm -hmm. And and for you to be the person who says, you know, Sarah is listening right now. She's doing a great job. Are you noticing that? Mm -hmm. Um, It really reinforces the fact that a lot of these skills really are teachable and, and we can learn and we can improve so that the quality of the communication at home, even in the most contentious situations, can get better. So typically, let me ask you this, Amy, how many sessions might a family, I know, of course, it depends on what's going on, but like on average, if a family comes in with with um, a situation or or a pattern that's not necessarily very helpful on either side of the of the aisle um how many sessions might they be looking at i wish i could give you a good number i'm going to say roughly roughly we work together about four months so that's about a good i don't like anyone to linger in care i think it's important to be able to move on and practice there Mm -hmm. has to be practice periods between the sessions but um after, if, if we're not getting it within two or three months and I'm not seeing progress, then I have to look at how I'm working with the family and adjust my own, my own ways, my strategies and my mm-hmm. language. So, um, and so I have to consider, is there buy-in from the whole family here too? So it's four months, once a week? Yeah, that would probably be about right. About once a week. Uh-huh. And of course, um, you know, when kids ask me, my parents want to take me to counseling, what's going to happen there? What will they do? What will they say? Um, of course, what I, what I tell them is that you and the counselor will work together to set a goal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that so, they, they get to identify what it is you would like to work on here. Is that, absolutely. That's true. Yeah. A lot of the sessions start with, you know, how can I support you right now? What's going on with you? And, and I really try to get to know kids so I can ask them about their teachers and their friends. And, and I almost always at some point during the session say, you know, what can I do to support you? And I use that language because I want them to know that counseling is part of that scaffolding that helps them developmentally. So I want them to know it's a support. I'm not helping them, rescuing them, solving their problem. Um, I, I'm really supporting them in, in moving forward. And so it, it takes a little while to teach that language. And I certainly can't speak for every therapist. But, you know, I really just try to make them feel super comfortable. Um, you know, my my patients have snack and and we and we talk about stuff and you know, we really just try to build that, that communication. I also make sure that my patients have my phone number directly in their phones so that they can call and talk to me. They don't have to ask permission to call me, those kind of things. I think it's those little things, especially for teens that build that trust. Yeah, I would, I would totally agree. And I'm thinking also about the whole stigma, the social stigma of being in counseling. There are plenty of really fine school counselors. And when I talk to kids or they email me, I suggest that they go to the school counselor and they don't want to have anything to do with that because they feel that um, either they don't trust the school counselor not not to talk to other people about it, 
But more to the point, it is if anyone sees me going in to talk to the counselor, then that will be a negative mark on my reputation. And um, I would imagine for family counseling, it might be a little bit easier because you're in a private practice. But, you know, what what tips could you give for parents who really feel like the family would benefit from this, but they're getting that kind of pushback from their kids? It's like, no, I don't want to be in counseling. I don't want anybody to know that we're even thinking about that. Do you have any tips for parents to kind of help the kid um, relax around this, see it the way you see it as, as support rather than something negative? Well, I think, first of all, I would really tell parents to be sure to tell the therapist that they're talking to that that situation exists. Because if I don't know when you come in that your child has a lot of resistance, then I'm not going to be approaching it in the way that might be the most inviting. So that's really important. I'm sorry that kids don't want to see their school counselors. I used to be one. And so I think that part of that, I I agree with you that um, there's a some stigma in the schools and also school counselors just don't have the wherewithal or the time or the space to make sure everyone understands confidentiality issues and things like that. So I do the same thing. I try to build an alliance with all my the schools of all the kids and teens that I work with, and that does help. But um, I think that parents need to be really forthright with the therapist and talk to them and be really clear about where we are with things. And then that way the therapist can, when they do hopefully come in, they can, uh, she, you know, she can start, she or he can start with trust issues and confidentiality and things like that. And going back to the initial, you know, talking as a family, we're just going to go meet this woman and we're just going to see if she has anything good to say to us. And if she doesn't, we're going to leave. And everyone's going to have input in the conversation. And if she does have some good stuff to say, then we might give it a try. And you don't have to tell anyone that you're going. You can. It's just like going to the doctor. Nobody needs to know that you went and had a shot. You just go, and you know we just we'll deal with it as a family. So that that's probably the best way I could think of approaching it. It sounds really healthy, and I, I'm I'm really um, glad to hear you say this. And it's also it seems to me that um, today it, it 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 is easier than it has been in the past for for families to say we need some outside support. And for people like you and a network, I love hearing you say about an alliance with school counselors because mm-hmm. so much of, of a child's school life it may be um, hidden from parents. And, Absolutely. And you don't really know what's going on. So the idea of a team, I love that, that mm-hmm. concept as well. So that, mm-hmm. that the, the teenager or the tween feels like these people have my back. These people um, are not my enemies. They are, in fact, going to help me um, navigate through middle school or high school better because I think ultimately that's everyone's shared goal. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, I used to work in schools and so I'm very understanding of the whole, the whole fact that kids spend, you know, majority of their day in a school setting. So a lot of stuff happens there that uh, parents don't know about. But one thing that's tricky that I want to mention, that is that mm-hmm. it's important for the therapist to create a lot of really strong boundaries as well. So um, first of all, I think that's great modeling for parents. But also, it's important that the, that the therapist doesn't lie to the kid. So for example, if a parent sends me an email about their child and some behavioral issue, and then the child says, well, did my mom tell you about this? I don't want to say, oh, no, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't, I'm not going to lie to them. So I make it very clear to parents that if you email me, 
I'm not going to lie. I won't, I don't have to volunteer the information necessarily, but I'm not going to lie to your, to your child. So think about what it is that you share with me and mm-hmm. I will be very guarded about what I share with you. In fact, what I do with teens particularly is before I speak to a parent, unless it's of course a crisis of some sort of, of danger, then I will say to the teen, I'll say, you know, I think it would be a really good idea for us to talk to your parents about this. Can we send them an email? Can we call them? Can we meet with them? And I give them time to really consider that. Sometimes they don't, they say no. And it's a couple sessions later till I said, I say, I think we really need to talk about this with them. So um, that is a really important element because parents often don't understand the boundaries of therapy mm-hmm. and they don't understand the the concept of um, that we have to work as a team and and really, and there can't be any splitting between us. Yeah, that's great. This all sounds really, really positive and healthy, Amy. I'm so glad you're doing this work. This is great. Because I know, I know from the emails I received, there are a lot of kids and families who could really benefit from mm-hmm. this kind of support. Um, we have just about a minute left, and I'd love to give you an opportunity to let our viewers and listeners know exactly where they can find out more about the work that you do. Sure, absolutely. So my company is called The Wise Family. Um, and so I have a website. It's www.thewisefamily.com. And I'm also on Facebook and Twitter and all that jazz, Instagram as Wise Families. So same thing, only more of them, Wise Families. And um, I'm hoping at some point soon to have a fabulous podcast like yours, but it's not really the easiest thing for me to get onto my plate right now. Um, I do individual work with kids. Um, I also do a lot of family work. And then, of course, I do a lot of by phone parent coaching um, with parents all over the world, actually, right now. So which is pretty exciting. So I really I love all of that. Um, Meanwhile, I'm writing my dissertation for my doctorate. So I'm trying to kind of balance (laughs) all of these plates. But uh, I'd love for people to reach out. If they go on my website, they can schedule a free 15 minute chat with me about anything that's happening. If they want to touch base, I'd be happy to do it. That's great. Thanks again for the work you do, Amy. And thanks for sharing it with us today. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Annie. Take care. My pleasure. Thanks. This is Annie Fox for Family Confidential. To learn more about my work with tweens, teens, and parents, visit AnnieFox.com. And check out my brand new book for girls ages 8 to 12, the girls' Q&A book on friendship, 50 Ways to Fix a Friendship Without the Drama. And tune in next week when my guest will be Lori Light, founder of Stress-Free Kids. Until next time, happy parenting.